And welcome to today's episode of the Pipeline ACC Podcast. I am Dan Siegel from ACC Content. I am joined, as always, by Jason Gibbs. Jason, we got the first weekend in the books. How are you doing? Dan, lovely as always. It was a beautiful thing. March Madness doesn't get any better. And while we thought the ACC was left for dead, here they come with two in the Sweet 16. Yeah. We had two teams that won in the first round, but both of them won in the second round. Syracuse and Florida State are moving on to the second weekend. So we will review those games first, and then we'll get to a couple of other important outcomes around the NCAA. But let's start with Syracuse. 11th seed beat the third-seeded West Virginia 75-72. to uh, Once again, Syracuse emerging in that postseason. I'm starting to think that their zone is – relatively easy to figure out for ACC coaches who are able to play them every year. But for the NCAA tournament teams, they have one day or in some cases, a couple of days, it's difficult for them. And we're really starting to see that in, I mean, this year, but this is not the first year where Syracuse was a double digit seed and it made a ton of noise in the tournament. It's kind of funny. It's almost like, they'd rather be that lower seated team and kind of come out of nowhere. You know, uh, you had a great line on Twitter about Buddy Beheim forgot to forgot how to miss a few weeks back. And it seems to be true. We talked about it before Syracuse kind of has that formula of two, three matchup zone and then have a guard, get hot, carry him to a few wins. And here they are sweet 16, just like always. Somebody said, I forgot who it was, but somebody said Jim Beheim is some evil genius that just pretends to be mediocre in the regular season, but then heats up come tournament time and have everybody sleep on him. <laughs> so something to think about. But Definitely. West Virginia shot 37% from the field. Syracuse's defense, like we said, phenomenal. Turned the ball over 14 times. And the only reason they were even in this game the only reason it was within three points was because Sean McNeil is jacking up these deep threes and hitting them. But every, yeah, like you said, everyone thought Buddy Beheim had cooled down even after a three point first half. No, he, he doesn't miss. He went for 22 in the second half, big props to the orange. They will take on the second seeded Houston next round. But how about Florida state? They dominated Colorado down the stretch 71 to 53. I thought Florida State was going to have problems with Colorado. Colorado's so well-rounded. They run the mover-blocker sets, but backdoor action. Um, Florida State's defense looked very much like they did against Virginia when they faced their mover-blocker, and it seemed like they had been preparing for a week the way they outsmarted the defense, the Colorado offense, reading those passes – they really had a day, so very impressive performance for Leonard Hamilton and the Knowles tonight, especially defensively. I think going up against Virginia in the regular season helped them out here. I mean, it seemed like for a while, though, the first team to 30 was going to win the game, right? You know, 24 to 20 at halftime, no one could really buy a bucket. But then, like you said, their length and athleticism took over. They hold Colorado to 35% shooting. They themselves shoot over 50%, 52.2 to be exact. And really down the stretch, it was it was just a total team effort. You know, um, Polite did get 22 points. But other than that, it was pretty balanced scoring. 
knocking down threes, hitting their foul shots, not turning the ball over. Recipe for success in March. No, it was a pretty balanced effort as usual for the Knowles, but let's talk about Anthony Polite a little bit because he picked a good night to have the best game of his career. First off, provided that spark with four three-pointers, something that the Knowles desperately needed after not making any three-pointers in the first round. And he played a complete game, 22 points, five boards, four assists to just one turnover, four steals. Anthony Polite played out of his mind, and that was just really impressive to see. Yeah, he did. So he had, as you said, four assists, only one turnover, four steals, only one foul. Really great game for him and kind of gave the Seminoles the spark they needed. And who knows, maybe they've turned a corner. Of course, they got a tough matchup in the next round, but hey, it's March. Madness happens. They should enter it with confidence. I Michigan has not really been owned by a lot of teams this year they have very few losses considering the conference that they play in but I mean they're not they're not unbeatable so we'll see Florida State is very good right now and they have a super high ceiling like we've always said so we'll see how they could do in the sweet 16 and perhaps beyond but we will preview them later this week speaking of the Big Ten though they have not had a lot of seeds. I think they only had one team go to the Sweet 16, which is actually less than the ACC. And part of this was because their number one seed, Illinois, went down to Loyola, Chicago, and in dominating fashion. I mean, Loyola was another team with their defense that just completely shut down Illinois. It was incredible the ball pressure they provided, double teams on the ball, but then recovering to the post and quite the game for the senior Cameron Crutwake, who started on the final four team as a freshman and has become a superstar now. Yeah. We talked about it in our preview podcast. Uh, when we looked at the tournament, Ken Palm, I think had them ranked at ninth best team in the country. And yet they somehow ended up with an eighth seed. And we talked about, it, it was kind of unfortunate for Georgia tech to run into that good of a team that early, but here they are with the same formula. And, you know, the funny thing is, is because they everyone has kind of a, a mulligan year from COVID, even Crowwood could come back if they want. They could run the whole thing back next year. And, you know, uh, the Ramblers, I think they made the final four a few years back as an 11th seed, and they're knocking on the door again as an eighth seed. And I think their eighth seed was just super underseeded. Not only does it hurt them, I think it hurts the seeds that they have to play even more. This was something I think it was Gary Parrish that tweeted out, but it, I mean, Illinois was punished by having to play a team this good in the second round as a one seed. You have to beat somebody elite, probably multiple teams that are elite in order to get to a championship, but tough draw for Illinois. Nonetheless, they did not play well enough to advance. So I'm not going to pity them. But how about 101-year-old sister Jean giving those ad advanced analytical scouting reports in her pregame prayers? That <laughs> woman is just built different. It is funny. I, I saw that uh, and when it came out. And <laughs> I, I questioned its authenticity because that seemed pretty specific. But, uh, you know, I'll take it with a grain of salt. It, it, was, at, least, it was at least something uh, fun to, and, and entertaining to read, though. It's a great story. People say they're sick and tired of Sister Jean. Just lighten up. She's great. Come on. 
But yeah, Loyola will play Oregon State in the Sweet 16. Our other game that we wanted to get to, how about Oral Roberts, 15 seed, second 15 seed ever to go the Sweet 16, the first one being Florida Gulf Coast. And they did it by taking down seventh seeded Florida, 81 to 78. You were spot on last episode. Oral Roberts was not your typical 15 over two. Most times, the 15 seeds exhaust everything in their efforts. They parade the streets, so to speak, and get clobbered next round. Oral Roberts comes right back two days later and takes down another power conference foe. Yeah, it's true. And we talked about, you know, um, the lack of celebrating actually spoke more than when people do go crazy, you know, teams do go crazy after what they consider a big upset. Here's something interesting I've thought about. Because the tournament's a little different this year, because everyone's kind of basically in a bubble in the same spot. I wonder if going forward, it bodes well for understated teams, because typically what happens is you get a win, you maybe get two wins. You then go back home and everyone pats you on the back and everyone wants the interview and everyone wants the text and the phone call and the picture and everything else. But you're not going to really get that this year. You're going to be kind of isolated. So I wonder if, the lower seated teams kind of sit there and stay focused and, and stay together and kind of block out the pat on the backs. And I don't know, maybe they can make it all the way to the final four. Who knows? Yeah. You never know. They play Arkansas next round. That'll be a very difficult game. After that, they play the winner of Villanova and Baylor potentially an even more difficult game, but given the magic we've seen so far, I wouldn't count anything out. I mean, a 15 seed in the final four, maybe, but no, we'll see. Max Aismas, though, 28 points, seven assists. Kevin O'Banner actually outscored him in both games, so I want to give him a little bit of love, too. 28 points and 11 rebounds. Aismas is the fuel that runs the team, but got to give love to the sidekick that's kind of been scoring all the buckets as well. Both of them played every single minute, I, th- I think, of both games. I know they played uh, all 40 against Florida, and just heart and soul, man. Yeah, exactly. It's really an incredible story. I really love to see the Cinderella's beyond, you know, watching the ACC move on. But how about some love for the Pac-12 as well? I know I personally have shamed them in past episodes, but I'll tell you what. Bill Walton, do you know what his final four was? <laughs> I did see that. Go ahead. Yeah. It was USC, Oregon State, Oregon, despite being in USC's region, Colorado, and UCLA, despite the fact that you could only have four teams in the Final Four. But, hey, he might be closer than a vast majority of us. Yeah, it's funny. uh, You know, um, we talked about kind of how Pac-12 was just almost an afterthought this whole year. You All we focused on the Big Ten and we focused on the Big 12. We talked a little bit about the ACC, and it was kind of like, oh, yeah, in the Pac-12. We, we barely mentioned them. And here they are just steamrolling into the Sweet 16. I know uh, Walton's probably blasting the Grateful Dead, bombed out of his gourd right now, but hats off to them. They uh, they did what they need to do, and they've played you know tough defense. They've made shots when they needed to. And some even superstars are emerging from the from the conference. And like I've said in past episodes, 
There's not a lot of out-of-conference games early this year, so the tournament says a lot about the conference hierarchy. I'm kind of starting to feel that either us or the Big East is the sixth best power conference this year. Mm. Not good. The ACC is not a football conference, so you have to have some (laughs) sport. Maybe the Olympic sports. Hey, it just means less over here. Anyway, that'll do it for our fast break episode. I hope you guys enjoyed. We will be returning to our normal schedule later this week. We will have a Friday morning release where we'll preview the games coming up the following weekend. And then we'll kind of get into some other stuff, recapping the ACC season, et cetera. But until then, I hope you guys enjoyed and we'll see you next time on the Pipeline ACC podcast.